Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Respect the listeners of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal We welcome you to our spiritual breakfast. This is our segment with Mufti Muhammad Akusab Tamad Barakatuhu. The date today is the 5th of Sha'ban, 14.45. Let's welcome Mufti Sab. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mufti Sab, all well on your side. Allah is karam, Allah is mercy. We need Allah Ta'ala all the time, alhamdulillah. So shukran, Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala helps us all as an ummah. Go forward, inshallah. Inshallah. I believe Mufti Sab went recently to Mozambique or Maputo. Gigi, Allah's father, Allah gave us Any an opportunity. Some incidents Mufti Sab could share with us. Oh, that was something very interesting. What a lovely journey. And uh, historically, there's so much of history in that land. Muslims reached uh, Mozambique quite early, you know, in history. And it's historically known to be a land of Islam. But uh, if you look at it today, the, the, the amount of people that are Christian is uh, quite shocking. Mm. So when we went to the different madhavis, madhavasas to visit, one lovely madhavasa we went to also, it was quite interesting. We had an, an hour program, so there was a translator, but the students knew Arabic quite well, so I requested that if we could converse directly just to save time. Because sometimes with the translation, they pull quite long. Mm. And I wanted to share with them uh, on the importance of sharing Islam and the method of sharing Islam with the Christians. Mm. So we had a lovely discussion and quite a few uh, scholars we sat with there after saying, you know, this is so important. Mm. We have to encourage our students to do this. Then we went to some girls' madrasas also, lovely madaris. And you amazed that 200 students, 300 students. One madrasa we went to had about 1,500 students. And mashallah, it's totally separate for, 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 for girls. And they teach them the, the, the alima course and also some other subjects as well. But uh, in those discussions also, we had uh, this discussion about Hazrat Maryam and Sahabiyat who hailed from Africa. And in that, we were discussing this uh, this uh, this reality that there's other women folk of Christian or uh, Christians coming from Portugal, coming from France, coming from America into countries like Mozambique and Africa, like Maputo and uh, Malawi and these countries, Tanzania, and these missionaries are taking our people away from Islam. Mm. If you look at 300 years ago in Maputo, it was 95% Muslim. Today. The census show less than 60%. What has happened to millions of people? Irtidat. And those who are Muslim also, some of them are so far from Allah's deen. But I was quite impressed with some of the madaris also, where uh, uh, there's few madrasas where they have, the morning is a hivs class. And in the hivs class, they start with uh, deen first. So it's Mm. it's also a school. Hmm. But they start from after Fajr with the Higgs class, then they do a little bit of Arabic, they do some fiqh subjects up till half past 11. Hmm. Then half past 12, they start their school subjects. Hmm. And they have professional teachers coming to that madrasa to teach them all these different sciences. So it's up to standard. It's also the government rules, um, the, the government's rules to do that. But alhamdulillah, they are doing it so well, prioritizing the deen and they're fulfilling the conditions. And also, so really there's a lot of good work taking place. With Allah's Father, wherever we went also, we happened to speak to guests, visitors, people about Islam. Going, we went via road, returning, we went via the airport, and they also meeting people. 
Africa is such an amazing country. The entire Africa, people are so approachable. You can approach anyone in the airport also. And no one will look at you funny. You just tell him about the beauty of Islam. Explain to them the meaning of Adhan. And people say, you know, really, I was always looking for this. I want, I want to know about Islam. And so many Muslims also see how easy it is. They say, you know, I'm also going to start sharing Islam with my associates. That's why when we went to these madaris, we said, okay, let's discuss this topic. That how can us as students and scholars also share deen when we go back home with the Christians? Because many a time, we learn, but we don't realize that it's our duty. We see the missionaries working, working on our people. They stand up in the taxis, they stand up in the buses, and they talk about Christianity. And we just keep quiet and we don't take the opportunity to talk about Islam. So in the Madaris, we had this opportunity to share this. And alhamdulillah, it had a good impact, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us. Muftisab, there's two or three things I just want to, as you were, as Muftisab was speaking, one was this, um, some, Mulana told me also from Darul Muzakariya that in India, till recently, they used to have that um, madrasa would take place first. So normal maktab, but in the mornings, yeah, it, yeah. that will take place first. So giving it preference. And you were stressing and you were saying that if you just ponder about it, we give school so much of preference. But yeah, when it comes... What you think is so true, man. Gee, so I'm happy to hear this also that in Maputo still they have this. Uh, it's still, but Gee, what you were saying. Madaris, uh, some righteous people, we met some businessmen who sacrificed on their own. They built these beautiful madrasas and they are running it. A, a businessman, Haji Muhammad Sidat, you know, he's, he, he built this madrasa. He put his little house next door, his own funding. And he is running this madrasa and catering for youngsters and making it comfortable for them so it's easy for them to leave their homes. So one is, uh, there's efforts made on the locals, there's effort, uh, efforts made on all kinds of people, but prioritizing Allah Ta'ala's deen. So it's really, what happens there is you're giving the child's prime time where he's, uh, where he's attentive, most attentive, we're giving him that for his Quran and for his deen. And what, and um, subhanallah, what it gears the child to face in the world is that Allah's deen comes first. I start my day with Quran. What happens with us today, we send the child for secular first, for school and so forth. Afterwards, when he's tired or when he's, uh, you know, mm. when he's exhausted, See. then he's going to the madrasa, but then he can't wait just to go out to play. But the prime time should be given to Allah's deen. Like today, even in the schools, they're demanding. Some people are saying they're demanding. And when we see it with our children, so many books are demanded from the children, so many subjects. Actually, there is an agenda hmm. to indoctrinate our children in so many countries of the world. And even right before our eyes, sometimes as parents, we should look into the subjects our children are studying. Hmm. And it will be shocking. Mm. Where children of the past only came across certain things at the ages of 14, 15. Today, a child at the age of 7, 8 already, already knows those words or those certain particular things and happenings and practices. It's, it's so it's scary. Mm. And Allahu Akbar, it, it, it's a worry. That's why as parents, we have to sit with our children. That's why that halaqa of ta'aleem in the home is so pertinent. It creates a bond in the child and the parent. And also... Our children have to feel comfortable to ask us certain things that confuse them. That's why the bond of the child with his parents has to be so close. And also with his ustad in the maktab. Mm. Because what happens is now, child is going to maktab in the afternoon. Some, and In Africa, we noticed this. I went with my brother to Tanzania. And mm. uh, we noticed this about Kenya as well. We heard from the Mia's. 
amazing makatib in so many of these countries. But there's still a greater need for more. And then they're also saying the only people going to follow up and going into these areas to work among these people are the Jamaats. Mm. Anyway, when I went with my brother, we heard that in Kenya, they started some madaris there. And then what the, the Christians that established those schools realized that the children after school are going to learn Quran. So they were upset about that. So what they did, they added to the school curriculum to say that the school will not end at, tw- at, at, at one or two. The school is right up till four o'clock and mm. up to half past four. Now there's no time for the child to go to learn Quran and Maktab and basics. And we noticed this when we went for Hajj, the impact of this, somehow Allah Ta'ala blessed us. We went to a, the, the certain camp we stayed in Mina was next to the camp of our people of Africa. And basic masail they don't know and they want to learn. Mm. It's all because the lack of Maktab education. And this for years now, the, the Christians established, portraying that we're establishing schools for you, hospitals, but all this is with an agenda. Mm. Uh, orphanages, but with an agenda. So like in Kenya, what they did now was, after that, the ulama started teaching the children on Saturdays and Sundays. So what the school did was, now add Saturday to the school curriculum. That now you have to go to school on Saturday also because more education is needed. Hmm. And, you know, that, that's their pretense. So as you're saying, it's so, so important for us to advocate this and start our children off from the morning with the Qur'an and with the deen. Subhanallah. Mufti Sabah, the, the other thing I wanted to ask is, uh, this week I've been stressing it as well, and I think it's also a lot of inspiration comes from yourself, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in Islam, but normally a person will say, okay, you, a person accepts Islam upon someone's hands. Now, but there's no follow-up thereafter. So I suggested mm. that each locality that they have something to go on so that they have because I'm I probably not be available all the time but someone must be there to assist these people and to maintain these people and something like we have tabligh to maintain the iman of the believers so like this we need something for the new believers what can Mufti Sab uh, add to this that I know it will be vital and important also for people to take benefit what a pertinent point you are making, Murana Sahib. Just to elaborate on it, as we have the Jamaat to remind the believers, Alhamdulillah, that's such a phenomenal effort that all of us, when we look into it, we find our fathers and grandfathers, through going out in the Jamaat, became inspired to send us to learn Allah's deen. So really, we are indebted. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. What happens to the others, the rest of humanity? The 97% of our country, most of whom have never ever been invited to Islam, or have never been told that Islam is for them. So one is to invite them. That's one responsibility. So every one of us have to try in our own capacity, inviting our non-Muslim associates, comrades, friends, neighbors, colleagues. That's one duty. What Mawana Sahib is mentioning is so important also. What happens now when they become Muslim. So Alhamdulillah, there has to be a system to teach them. Now, many of them, some of them who embrace Islam are working. Now see, the people we work upon, one is the locations which we have to work on. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. There are many people who have been doing that and we have to carry on with that. There's others who we haven't been fulfilling uh, to, to uh, you know, uh, adequately is inviting the people who are in the business arena. Mm. 
people who are self-sufficient, like Hazrat Abu Bakr embraced Islam. The, the seniors of Mecca were all invited to Islam by him. They respected the position of Hazrat Abu Bakr. And now he invited them. Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidillah, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, Hazrat Abu Salama bin Abdul Asad, Hazrat Uthman bin Maz'oon. Most of, even Ashura Mubashara embraced Islam at the hands of Hazrat Abu Bakr, radiyallahu anhu. Now, what, to invite those people, when we intellectually invite them and when we are having a difficulty in inviting them i would encourage our listeners to take advice from the imam of the masjid see as as musallis we should be very close to our imam and when we have a person who is interested in islam invite that person for tea but also invite the imam to answer other questions because most of the questions people ask are simple many a time he won't embrace islam immediately but it will take some time and alhamdulillah he will come someday Okay, that's one point, inviting them. Now, let's say they become Muslim. Mm. Now, there should be more of these organizations where there's like a 10-day course. So if somebody is working for a company, we go to, the, to his employer and say, would you, you know, allow him 10 days and we'll send him to this institute where he's put into an environment where he's taught salah, taught the basic mm. for 10 days. That would be the best. Mm. Another is another very nice system is if we know a certain Sati going out in the Jamaat, this might not always help, but he know or he brought someone to Islam. Take him out, and I did this with a few brothers when we went with the Jamaat, take a few new brothers with us, and while out, whilst out, there's an amazing opportunity to teach them. Mm. But Khair, another very effective way is when a person embraces Islam, we request every Imam of the community to pay the Muslim who's born Muslim or Muslim for many years or who's connected to the masjid to another brother who's new. So the imam can from the front, if this takes place, it's very effective. He'll ask from the community who's ready. Now obviously this is another word work besides the jamaat work. The jamaat work is a special work. We can't change that work. But this is another effort. So the imam sahab will help in this and he's ready because all the ulama know this duty. Now, so the one uh, who's born Muslim, if he's ready, will ask him, okay, this is one brother, this is his number, we want you to follow up with him. He's working at this place on a daily basis, if not every few days, send him a message. And if you can pick him up for one salah a day, that's best. Otherwise, at least pick him up for Jumu'ah. What happens is, then we'll be practicing something similar to the Mu'akha, which is the Sunnah. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam arrived in Medina Munawwara, he gathered the Muhajireen and the Ansar in the home of Abu Talha. Abu Talha's name was Khalid bin Zaid. So Abu Talha's home, the Sahaba were gathered and a Muhajiri and an Ansari were made brothers. What was the benefit of this? This was a great effort of brotherhood. But sometimes if we can't practice this fully, let's practice it partially, at least somewhat. We tell the brother, we understand that full brotherhood was abrogated, but the lesson is still there, where to such an extent that one brother actually inherited from the other. That was abrogated, but the relationship remained. Hmm. So one brother will be requested, okay, see, you follow up with this brother. Daily, you'll meet for this salah. Maybe you can teach him something. So what happens is it makes the Muslim a better Muslim, and it brings the non-Muslim closer to Allah, and there's one brother caring for him. Then slowly, slowly, the brother who's caring for him, inshallah, will invite him on the occasion of Eid or make his ikram and so forth. It has long-term benefits, the system of mu'akha, 
where one brother follows up with another brother, and then they report to the imam of the of, of the of the masjid. Hmm. And what an impact this has, because we find in the seerah of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so many a time on journey, somebody became Muslim, he became a Sahabi. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam would say to a Sahabi, "Hazrat so and so, you teach him," and then that Sahabi would teach that individual, or Hazrat Bilal radiallahu would teach a few. Hazrat Abbas would teach a few. Hazrat Mu'ad would teach a few. And like that, they would give the report to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And like that, in their masjid, because in Medina Manuara, there were many masjids, or in Masjid and Nabawi also, there were many halaqat. Hmm. And this was the Sahabi who's many years Muslim is teaching the brother who just embraced Islam. And this system carried on for many years, even after the Hijrah. Like Hazrat Muawiyah who embraced Islam, Years after Hijrah, it was about eight years after Hijrah. And then there was another Sahabi who embraced Islam at a very similar time, Hazrat Hattat. Anyway, Nabi Sallallahu made one, made fikr, make fikr on the other. You follow up on each other. So sometimes a brother who's born Muslim and another who just embraced Islam, or sometimes two embrace Islam at a similar time, but make them at least make fikr on each other if one is learning faster. If the one is learning from somebody who knows, and the other can learn from that brother. Because what happens is if we bring alive the system of learning and teaching, it changes the environment and it brings each one with fikr. Because this mm. brother knows, this is my investment for akhirah. Everything I teach this brother is my sawab by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Imam Zahab who is busy, but he is overseeing this whole system, alhamdulillah, at, in times to come. Allah will make it happen as we're hearing in the Q&A every now and again. So many people are embracing Islam. Allah Ta'ala accept. So mm -hmm. if we bring alive the system, it will be such that these brothers who are embracing Islam will overtake us in loving the deen mm -hmm. because they will appreciate what they have. They see the beauty of Allah's deen. But also very importantly to highlight is those who are embracing Islam, we can't expect them to learn everything overnight. Mm -hmm. If we analyze the lives of Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, even certain ahkam came in time. So we have to allow them, encourage them, but let the change come slowly and don't chase them away or be harsh for certain minor mistakes. Even don't make everything memorizing. No, you must memorize this and you must memorize that. Teach them the beauty of salah. Teach them that bond of salah. Now, everything that's in the salah, it'll take long to memorize. So start slowly. Be very calm. Be very cool with them because this is such a reward, such an investment that this man we're teaching will become our salvation in Akhirah. It's an investment for the Akhirah that will be in our graves. Mm. But Allah's reward will continue with this, with, with this because we taught somebody mm. or we invited somebody. So what a, what a pertinent point you brought up, Hazrat Manana. And I really feel if we do it like this, it would have an impact because more of our Muslims will come on to Fikr and non-Muslims will come into Islam. And like that, we'll see, subhanAllah, there's an amazing incident in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr. When many embraced Islam during Hazrat Abu Bakr's Khilafah, and new, new people were coming, the Sahaba were teaching them. Now, there was a time where the new people didn't have that level of respect. Like the Sahaba, sometimes, you know, they would get irritable and this and that. So Hazrat Abu Bakr gathered the Sahaba, and he spoke to them privately. He said to them, Make sabr. And then he said, you know why I say to you, make sabr? Because remember how much of patience Rasulullah showed to us. How tolerant he was with us. How many times he taught us. How many times he guided us. And how much of love he showed us. 
if we're going to bear these people with patience, mm. tomorrow it will be them to take Allah's deen Allah. to the four corners of the world. Mm. So like that from Hazrat Abu Bakr's advice and his foresight. And subhanAllah, there's so many incidents in the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr also, where even on a journey, there was one highway robber. His name was Rafi' bin Umayra al-Ta'i. Hazrat Abu Bakr knew that this man was a master of the roots. But he was also a man who used to, used to you know, uh, rob hmm. and hijack caravans. And Gee. then he used to run into the desert because he was a master of the desert. And then he had water hidden in an ostrich egg deep in the desert where people would give up on him thinking that he'll die in the desert. Who can come out from their life? But he had his strategy. Hazrat Abu Bakr brought him close and worked on him. And then Hazrat Abu Bakr invited him to Islam and taught him Islam. The five pillars slowly. The internet is so amazing. Hazrat Abu Bakr taught him slowly. And then he says, you know, you have inspired me, Abu Bakr. I've oh, never seen anyone like you. And then when Nabi Sallallahu left this world, he was in, in Sham. But he heard Abu Bakr became the Khalifa. He journeyed to Medina to meet Hazrat Abu Bakr. Then he said, oh, Abu Bakr, you forgot what you told me. Because one of the advices Hazrat Abu Bakr gave him one day, casually, is that, you know, you mustn't rush and aspire for position. Rather let others have position. You just do Allah's deen and do Allah's work. So he's telling Abu Bakr, remember what you told me. Now what happened to you? So I said, Abu Bakr now in humor said, you see, I got caught up. I gave you one advice and I got caught up with the same. That I became the Khalifa now, you know. So that was the beautiful relationship that Abu Bakr had. And how Sahaba taught us how to deal with new people. And really, if we value them and work on them, even if we teach them one, one alphabet every day, but it's something. Something, but talk to them. I know my brother, whoever embraced Islam from his businesses, would get picked up on a Monday and a Tuesday and gathered at his head office, and he used to personally teach them. And then I would ask him, What are you teaching them? So he would say, I teach them the stories of Ambiya and the stories of Sahaba. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking him, But what about the fiqh? He says, No, I teach them that for about 30 to 40, 45 minutes, then I have another alim after me to teach them the basic fiqh, but really simplified. But what I was, I was inspired about my brother was, he knew it wasn't just to teach them the fiqh, the rules and laws, but we have to teach them what will motivate them long term. Yes. And that's why we find in the Makki surahs of the Quran, the surahs that were revealed in Makkah Mukarramah, when people were new to Islam, and then when Sahaba used to gather in Darul Arqam, the first center of Islam and the madrasa and the markas where all the new Muslims used to learn in Darul Arqam. What was the ta'aleem when the rules of Sharia were not many? The ta'aleem at that stage of Islam was the stories of Anbiya that were enshrined in the Makki surahs of the Quran. Because learning about the sacrifices of the Anbiya keeps a believer firm. So my brother was so wise to do this. He would talk to them about Ambiya stories, and then he used to talk to them about Sahaba stories. Then I asked him, okay, which book are you using to teach them Sahaba stories? He says, I use Fada'ilul A'mal. So, so amazing it was. And he phoned me a few times. He would say, this is such a lovely system. Every time he used to phone me and tell me, hey, you know what, big brother, this is, what a lovely system. So it's something nice also with the new brothers. Talk to them about Ambiya stories, Sahaba stories, and encourage them to read a translation of the Quran. It, they, they might be elderly. It might be take them long to learn to read Arabic, but one day, you know, they'll get the aspiration to do it. But get them to read a translation of the Quran and get them to read, you know, that simplified Fada'ilul Amal, starting with the stories of 
Sahaba radiyallahu and now because it's Ramadan, if they're embracing Islam now, uh, encourage them to read from Fada'il Ramadan and allow them to ask you questions, respected listeners. Tell them, if they, even if they want to just WhatsApp the question to you. And what you don't understand, you ask Kamawa ulama, Mufti A.K. Saab answers the questions all the time, and uh, the ulama are ready, readily, happily available to answer the questions. Mona Zayed Saab will answer the questions. And sometimes we don't have the answer, we ask each other and we help each other, but respected listeners. Listeners, let's work together because this discussion that Mona Zahid Sahib brought now is so pertinent and so important. It's the need of the hour because throughout the world, people are contemplating, embracing Islam. They want to. So our one duty is to invite them that it's also for you. Come, accept. Because, you know, we might die at any time. That's the, that's the one duty. Many of us don't invite them because we're worried about the follow-up. Don't let that, that, that trick us. The follow-up is another duty, as was discussed today. Let's make the follow-up also. Let's do the invite, and we also do the follow-up. And subhanAllah, I was reading one amazing incident in the Hayat al-Sahaba. Because uh, uh, one of the discussions I wanted to discuss, but Allah gave us to think that Mawlana brought a more pertinent uh, aspect. That is, in Sha'ban, Tahwilul Qibla took place. The Qibla direction to Kaaba Sharif was in this month. In Sha'ban, when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sha'ban the second year, because the first 16 months, Muslims were facing Baytul Maqdis. And this also was to prove to the Jewish community living in Medina Munawwara that this is the final Nabi of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prophesied in our books. Now there's an amazing report in Hayatul Sahaba, Volume 1. When the Banu Abs tribe were invited to Islam in Makkah, then they were... One man was inspired, Maysara. So he said to his people, come, let's go into this Jewish community en route to our home and we can speak to them. And they met this one Jewish rabbi and they asked him about Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was a sincere man. So you get sincere people out there in the world. Just the other day, I was hearing an interview of a brother in America, uh, Muhammad Ali, a youngster, interviewing a Zionist Jew. And in the, in the conversation, this Jew broke out into tears and started crying. And he said, you know, I, uh, I can't take it anymore because of what I did to those Palestinian children. I can't sleep. And he took out these tablets and he's showing him, without, without this, I can't sleep. And this man invited him to Islam. And to, this, Allah Akbar, this man became Muslim in 20 minutes. And then he said, you know, I have to give you the numbers. I'm going to email it to you of my other friends who are suffering a similar plight like, like me. So yeah, this Jewish rabbi advised this delegation, that if this is the man you met, he is truth. And he opened to the description of Rasulullah and he gave them sincere, wonderful counseling. The report says, it's in Hayatul Sahaba, Volume 1. He didn't embrace Islam at that time, but on his deathbed, he was heard reciting the Shah. You give a man da'wah when he's sincere, Allahu Akbar. On his deathbed, Allah will give him to Allah can still give him tawfiq to read the shahada. We have to do what we have to do. Allah is the doer of everything. So the Kaaba was changed in this month, Sha'ban. And subhanAllah, what happened then? It took place near the home of the Sahabi whose name was Barah bin Ma'roor, one of the first Sahaba to pass away just before the Hijrah of Nabi Sallallahu He met Nabi Sallallahu in Hajj. He came to meet Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he made a request, Oh Allah's Nabi, my heart is yearning for Kaaba. I want to face Kaaba. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, not, not yet. So he came back to Medina and he faced Baytul Maqdis. Before the Hijrah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he passed away. And Allahu Akbar, 16 months later, 
the tahwil al qibla took place next to the same sahabi's home the masjid next to bara bin ma'rur's home because nabi sallallahu was visiting his family and his children bara bin ma'rur because he passed away prior to just prior to nabi sallallahu arrival in medina look at allah allah ta'ala sees the sahabi he was yearning for kaaba the masjid next to his home was where the command of allah came in that salah that now you face kaaba and this was in the masjid next to Hazrat Bara bin Ma'rur's home because he was yearning for Kaaba. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. So oh, our God. yearning for hidayat of humanity, our yearning to be accepted for Allah's deen, Allah sees and Allah will give us tawfiq to do this. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Just yesterday, I'll finish with this. I was at the police station for some errand and subhanAllah speaking to the police department there, speaking to them and then I spoke to some lawyers who were there. A simple message, they all are as I told them, you know, all the sad reality of the world today is those who don't have money think when we have money, we'll be, we will be happy. And those who have money realize that, hey, I got so much, but I'm still not happy. And they end up committing suicide. Hmm. So I said, not, none of that can give happiness. What will give us happiness is when we create a bond, when we aspire to ser- and search for the truth for our creator and we love the Almighty. And then I translated the Adhan for them. Five intellectual lawyers were listening to the simple Dawood so attentively. No. After that, they, I invited them for a meal home, so they said they'll come and so forth. And I gave them some literature that they took happily. Humanity is thirsty. Allah give us the picture. Mm-hmm. for these wonderful questions. Jazakumullah khairan for joining us and giving us these wonderful advices. Mufti Sahib, make dua for us. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah.